It's something you never want to hear your doctor say. I'm sorry, it's cancer. Suddenly, everything you've built, everything you've depended on up till this point is under question. Your career, your financial arrangements, your relationships, your faith. A sudden reminder of your mortality has a way of throwing light on the priorities you've been living by, of waking you up. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Welcome to Signs Radio. I think this is the first episode of 2020, so Happy New Year. And in the studio with me uh, here in Sydney is my boss, so I better watch my P's and Q's today, Tracy Bridcut, who's not really here in, in her capacity as my boss, but has a personal story to tell that links with a great article she's written in this month's Signs of the Times, the January-February issue. How are you, Tracy? I'm very well, thank you, Kent. Excellent, excellent. Maybe I uh, should ask for a pay rise before the end of the episode, and you're on the spot and you know, live <laughs> to the nation. Don't push the friendship, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. But you wrote something in the Science magazine that is really personal for you, your experience of going through cancer. You've called it Lessons from the Radiotherapy Room. I guess for a lot of us, it'd just be like, uh, lessons, what? I, you know, I, so long as I'm out of the radiotherapy room, I'm happy. But you actually got something out of it, which is a little bit surprising. And I guess we'll, we'll get there. But first of all, tell us a, a little bit about yourself, just so people can sort of picture, you know, who you are, you know, what stage of life you're in, you know, what's going on with your life and family. Sure. I am a mum, first and foremost, mum of uh, three children. Mm-hmm. They're all what you'd call young adults now, mm-hmm. pretty much off my hands, very independent. Except when they want money. Uh, well, that's right. Or being driven around somewhere, of course. <laughs> now, um, I've also been a journalist for 25 years, somewhere mm-hmm. around that, that time. So, I've been doing a lot of writing over the years, obviously. Been an editor of community newspapers. Now, uh, working in a uh, communication uh, media capacity. Okay. And so, you, as you say, you're working um, in community newspapers for a while. And I guess in that time, uh, you mentioned in your article, you, you met with a, a lot of people who had gone through um, you know, struggles with cancer. You, I guess, like went to hospitals that had innovative treatments and, and all that sort of stuff. So, what was, I guess you had a fairly sophisticated understanding of cancer, you know, up until the point where this became an issue for you personally. Mm, yes, yeah, certainly did, Kent. I one of my uh, rounds at uh, the newspaper was the health round, and uh, yeah, it just so happens that uh, I did quite a few stories of um, people, cancer, various stages from early cancer, early diagnosis, to uh, those who were in the last stages of the disease. Also, as you say, with regard to new technology, there was obviously breakthroughs happening all the time. So, you know, it was quite, I sort of felt somewhat like an expert on cancer. I'd seen pretty much Mm -hmm. every angle, even as I said in the article, there was a a gentleman who had the rare case of breast cancer himself. Mm. I think it's just like 1% chance that a male could get it so yeah i actually remember a guy in adelaide who who had the same thing and it is fairly rare but apparently if a man has breast cancer it is a particularly 
nasty version. Mm, and if, if mm. you can dodge that bullet, you're doing mm. really well. Yes, that's what I understand. Also, because it is so rare, often it can be misdiagnosed mm. because doctors don't, you know, some doctors, I guess, don't really sort of see that it, it could be something to happen in men. But mm-hmm. certainly, gentlemen... Yeah, if you notice any changes in that area, get yeah. it checked out. Wow, wow. And I guess for women, breast cancer is what, in, in the top three of the most common cancers, isn't it? Was, is it the most or it's somewhere near the top, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. It uh, certainly is, yeah, right up there. Also, a lot of, fortunately, there's been a lot of work in that area, mm. a lot of promotion, a lot of awareness now. So I think the message is uh, getting out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess it was the case, you know, probably a few decades back that, you know, the big C was sort of, you know, code for a death sentence in some ways. But it seems that, you know, treatments have been improving and there are, there are particular cancers now that it seems we can deal with fairly effectively most of the time. Is that your understanding? It is, particularly breast cancer. I understand now that I think around 90% perhaps even of uh, women now survive at least for five years mm-hmm. and often much longer than that. Mm-hmm. In my case, it's, I, I was diagnosed 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. And it's it does spark a I don't know, a fear, I guess, doesn't it? I remember, um, was it Angelina Jolie, like a few, mm, you know, a few mm, years back, mm. sort of being faced with, hey, this is in my family and, mm, you know, having mm. to, well, deciding to make some pretty radical, you know, decisions ab- about that. Mm. It's, a, it's a scary thing, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is confronting. And I think because also I'd had so much exposure to other people's stories, particularly those who were, who were um, in a terminal situation, I just sort of immediately thought, oh, I'm going to die. That's it. That's that's the end of it. And wow. um, yeah, it was it was quite shocking. I was very upset at the time. Yeah, well, you, you would be. Is there any history of um, cancer in, in your family or, or breast cancer in particular? N- no, no, there's not. So that's another reason why it just sort of blew me away. I thought, no, it can't be happening to me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd lived a fairly he- healthy life. Don't drink, don't smoke, any of those things. So... Also have a from a vegetarian um, have a vegetarian lifestyle. So, yeah, it was complete shock to be honest. Mm-hmm. I guess those things they they do uh, those lifestyle factors do re- sort of reduce our risk, don't they, of getting cancer? But reducing the risk is not quite the same as cancelling out the risk altogether. Mm, oh, for sure. Look, in hindsight, now I look back, I, I sort of thought I was healthy, but. In reality, I was actually not as healthy as I sort of had in my mind <laughs> yeah. in that I was uh, working a couple of jobs at the time. I was snacking on junk food. I wasn't getting exercise, all those things that, you know, now they, they talk about as, as needing to do to stop these sort of nasties developing in your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and look, I'd love to talk to you, you know, later about like what changes you've you've put into place. Now that that'd be really interesting. But can, can we just go back first of all, because you don't really talk about this in the article, but I understand that this diagnosis of of breast cancer for you was a bit of a shock. It sort of came out of the blue was almost discovered accidentally. What, what, mm, happened, what mm. happened there? Well, look, I was actually just going for my regular um, 12-monthly uh, checkup with my GP and um, so she checks all the usual things. And in checking my breast, she thought she uh, noticed something in my right side. And mm-hmm. she said, look, you know, haven't had a mammogram yet. Why don't, we'll send you along, get the scan and see what happens. 
as it turns out, my I had this scan and it showed that um, my my right side was fine, but actually they detected cancer in the left side. Wow. Okay. So. And and this is something they recommend for women from is it like forty five years of age and onwards, sort of thing. Look, a, a mammogram. Yeah, they do. Unless mm. you've got a family history, then they would suggest you know earlier than that. Wow. So one of these sort of just in case sort of hmm, that's a bit strange. Yeah, and on the other side as well. That that is weird. Yeah, look, there were the yeah, as I said, the right the right side was fine in the uh, the whole scheme of things, and then they found it on the other side. So yeah, it was just a bit of a, a fluke, a miracle, I guess. <laughs> yes, incredible. So and and that's the point where you, I guess you were shocked and thought, heck, I'm going to die. It's all it's curtains for me. Is it, is is that the point when you were thinking that? Yeah, I think it was just the shock at first and then the particular time of year when I was diagnosed didn't help because I was diagnosed exactly a week before Christmas. So as you know, it's one of those frantic times of year Mm. that you can't really follow anything up. Yeah, everything's in a little bit of uh, chaos around the house and, and whatever. That also delayed everything. So mm-hmm. before they could do biopsies and all those sort of things, couldn't couldn't do it straight away. So then that lets your mind sort of get more and more anxious about it. Oh wow! So yeah, it was yeah a bit of a challenging time. Wow, wow. So once once you had the biopsy and it was confirmed, yes, this this is the real deal. What options were you faced with then? Because I know some people are like, oh, I want to go the health route. I just want to you know, go fully vegan or on a juice diet or something and, and I'm going to kill this that way. Was was that sort of a part of the options that you're looking at? Or were you like, nah, let's get in there and like nuke it sort of thing? Yeah, look, no, I wasn't sort of taking any any risks. I wanted to obviously follow the advice of the breast cancer surgeon. She was very good, explained everything clearly and uh, yeah, just had the surgical option. Mm-hmm. So surgery and then what, chemotherapy, radiotherapy? No, I had, uh, so the surgery, that's correct. Then they wait a few weeks for that area to heal. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, I had radiotherapy after that. So that was one one session a day for six weeks. Mm-hmm. So 30, 30 sessions altogether of radiotherapy. I was very fortunate in that the cancer had not spread. Um, they found after they'd done the surgery and they t- um, sent it away for testing that there was no evidence that it had spread. So I wasn't required to have chemotherapy. Oh, okay. So very localized, not spread to lymph or, or in a system or anything. Well, that that would have been good. And I guess this is probably behind what you say in your article, catching it early, if mm, you possibly mm, can, is, mm. is the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I was very fortunate that they did catch it so early. Otherwise, it could be a whole different story. Mm. You mentioned your kids before. You said, you know, they're young adults now, but but this happened, what was it, 10, 12 years ago Mm, or or mm. something? So they weren't young adults then. Mm. What do you say to kids about this? I mean, because obviously you have these terrible fears, Mm, mm. you know, uh, rolling around in your head that you might not even be here, Mm, you know, mm. a, a year or so from now. Like, what was your thinking around that and what did you and, and your husband end up deciding to, to say to your kids? Yeah, look, it was hard. They were all in um, primary school at that, that stage. I mean, I think one was just about to start school, actually. So mm. it was quite a, um, a hard thing. In the end, we just kept our 
language sort of we we had the pro- sort of private discussions between myself and my husband obviously mm. and we just tried to keep it business as usual at home mm-hmm. They did see mummy crying from time to time, I mm-hmm. have to say, and they were quite worried. What's wrong, mum? What's wrong, mum? But as it turned out, we also had a, a family friend whose father died on the, the same day. So wow. I, th- I think. Same day you were diagnosed? Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah, they, yeah, it was just a really terrible day. Yeah. And they, I think they sort of perceived that. That was what mummy was really upset about, right. not so much about, yeah, my health. Although, obviously, you know, when I did have the operation, they, they knew that. But, yeah, we tried to keep it as low-key as, as possible mm-hmm. until mm. we sort of knew what we were dealing with also. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, no point in planting f- the fear of the unknown and all the terrible possibilities mm. yeah, before mm. you really know. Mm. And, and how did they cope with that, do you think? Look, they were, they seemed to be fine. They, you know, carried on their normal, I guess, happy-go-lucky selves. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't perceive them as being any more clingy than usual or anything like that. Mm, they mm. seemed to take it in their stride, fortunately. Yeah, so if it looks like mum and dad are coping with it, then that sort of models to the kids mm. that, yeah, we, we can mm, get on with mm, this, it's, mm, it's okay. Mm. Well, that, that would have been <laughs> better, I guess. And what about your like your friends or your, your church family or, or things like that? Because you know there are some people who, when they hit a crisis like this, they'll call on their sort of social circle to rally around them, to pray for them. And, mm, and mm. others of us are a little bit more private and mm. a bit, bit less likely to, um, you know, to do that kind of thing. Where, where were you on, on that continuum? Well, I did feel that I needed prayer, most definitely. Um, my, my church pastor actually thought it would be a good idea to convene a prayer session. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I went along and just to our church and uh, it was with the pastor and some of the senior pastoral team, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the elders and, and, mm-hmm. and a few people like that. And, you know, it was really touching and really, really well appreciated that they they mm. did that they took the time to pray with me it it really I, I really did feel at the time that it calmed me down mm. and mm. just felt that yeah god god was with me he yeah. he had this okay so you you were attending church fairly regularly up to this point but still it must have i mean like you say you were living a fairly healthy lifestyle and you know not drinking not smoking you know sort of ticking a, a lot of health sort mm, of boxes mm. um was there a sense of god why me what have i done to deserve this or sort of any sort of spiritual difficulties that, that came out of this? any any questions you, you were struggling with look i think because of my journalistic background i'd seen so many bad things happen in the world and and mm. obviously bad things happening to good good people mm. so i understood you know it it wasn't from god it was just one of those things of living in a sinful world mm. where yeah unfortunately bad things do happen so look you know i did getting into the the radiotherapy room and it did you know bring it home and mm. that was a, a bit of a crunch point for you wasn't it As, yeah. which is where, where you start your article you're there feeling very vulnerable yeah. all, all alone and that's um, right. It's it's a really unusual experience because you are just left there, well, 
not really to your own devices, but... (laughs) (laughs) So they're scary medical devices. Yeah, Yeah. and you've got this huge machine sort of hovering, as I say in the article, hovering over you because Mm. it... it, Looming. Yeah, it it, uh, sort of shoots the the beams from a couple of different angles so so and and during that time you've got to stay perfectly still otherwise mm. it could yeah send the beams into areas that you we don't, don't need, need them especially mm. on the left side I was thinking oh my heart my heart so at those times I was just I, I looked up and um, in the in the roof of the radiotherapy room actually I could see this cross mm. just I think it was just the tiling or something at mm-hmm. the time and I just kept my focus on that and I thought yeah you know that's God's with me that's mm, you know mm. that's that's a message wow uh, yeah that's uh, I hadn't um I don't think you included that detail in, in your article, but yeah, I'm just getting a, an image of that. You're suddenly connecting with Jesus, I guess, on the cross. You mm. know, he was, or he was pinned down, mm. couldn't mm. pinned up, mm. couldn't move. Mm. You know, there, sort of, you know, dangling naked, and yeah, you probably would have been, mm. and, and everyone, all his friends, deserting him, and you must have felt in a similar place in in some ways well that vulnerability i think yeah. obviously he was i mean not obviously comparing yeah. anything to what yeah his he went through but yeah i guess it's that vulnerability but also knowing that god was there and mm. he was yeah just protecting me because the first time of the first session that i had i was just so nervous i didn't know what to expect yeah i was quite panicky but just feeling his presence, it, it really did make a difference. Mm-hmm. Really calmed you, yeah. Because I guess why everyone has to leave the room because there's radiation in there. So, yeah, so, so that's they leave it. you with the radiation, yeah, yeah. And, and they all. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can talk to them, and you, yeah. they're in, you know, behind a big. You sort of see them in a big window in the mm. distance, but mm. yeah, it's quite quite a big room. It's quite quite an experience, actually. So mm. it's it's funny what you get used to, you know. My my dad went through uh, cancer last year himself, bowel cancer, mm. uh, and you know, bef- before this all happened, I think one of the worst horrors I could ever imagine would be to actually have your intestines diverted to a little bag on the outside of you. Right, you know, it yeah. just sounds yep. absolutely hideous. Yeah, yeah. And he went through that, and now he's like. Oh, it was fine. Like mm. once you get used to, it, once you learn how to manage it, you just mm. get on with your life, mm. do all the normal things, and it's, it's funny, isn't it? How something that at first just seems so horrible and medical mm. and strange, mm. you actually become used to, and mm. uh, and you suggest in your article that yeah, that was your first radiotherapy treatment, mm. but as time went on, it was like oh, yeah, here mm. we go, mm. back back for another zap mm. session. It's it's funny what we can put up with, isn't it? Well, it is. One other thing that I didn't mention in the article, actually, Kent, was I also, throughout the process, happened to get my first um, tattoo. Oh, really? <laughs> Don't be worried of now. Course. Yeah, yeah, but because when you get radiotherapy, they have to mark the spot yes, where the laser yes. hits from each side. That's right. Because the lasers have to intersect at the yeah, point where, yeah. the, where the tumour is or whatever. So Yeah, so I can ah, say I've got tattoos. You've got tattoos. There yeah, you so they do that so they don't have to draw the, um, yeah, the exact time, yeah. pinpointed spot every time. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, yeah, so that go. that was actually painful. <laughs> I, and I wouldn't recommend getting tattoos. It was only a little dot. It was. Well, I think three of them in the end. Three but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, well, it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Wow. Okay. So um, at what point were, did you become aware that, hey, this um, treatment has worked and, and they gave you the, the all clear? Not really until I had the... Well, initially, when I we got the results from the surgery, mm-hmm. um, so they sent it away, obviously, um, for testing. So that was that was the first big relief. Okay, it's no they think of it. Uh, they've got it all. Yeah. But there is always that chance that one of the cells may have been rather naughty and escaped mm-hmm. into you know some Elsewhere. other yeah. Mm-hmm. So they that's why they do the radiotherapy just mm-hmm. to make sure that. Yeah, there's no chance of it. Um, anything in surrounding anything. tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, then you go back each year for a, a check to mm-hmm. make sure, you yeah, know, yeah. everything's okay. I, I have blood tests as well, which mm-hmm. can indicate um, inflammation and, and other things that pa- wow. possibly, um, you know, could be a sign of cancer. So, yeah, there's a range of different things that they do now mm-hmm. to, to keep an eye on things. Wow. So, um, what what has changed, you know, post cancer, you know, for you? Um, do you look at life differently? Have you? I mean, you mentioned before some of your your health habits uh, may have changed a bit. Yeah, give us a little bit of a picture. Sure. Look, my life has changed in a few ways. Definitely, look at life differently. I used to be, I guess, the typical mum, career woman, trying to juggle everything and not being successful with anything. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, now I am, yeah, less harsh on myself, try and take it all in my stride. Yeah, not sweat the big stuff, as they say, or the little Mm -hmm. stuff, Mm -hmm. the little stuff. So that's that side of things. And Um, and I guess there's nothing like cancer to help you decide what actually is the big stuff and the little stuff. Well, that's right. You know, what's important in life, you know, it certainly sets your priorities in a different, Mm. you know, differently. Yeah, well. And and health-wise? I mean, you you said you're already vegetarian and not Mm, not drinking mm, and smoking. mm. What what else is there? Look, I now exercise regularly. So Mm. that's one of the things I do. I uh, try to do at least 30 minutes a day. Mm. And, uh, Actually, maybe you gave up sugar for a while, didn't you? Yeah, look, I am pretty much sugar-free mm. still. I, yeah, just try and avoid. I, I do have the occasional piece of dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. I've got a, actually, I've got a real liking for dark chocolate now. I, I never I never used to like dark chocolate. There you go. But now I, you know, I go, I look, oh, 85%. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's changed. Also, I do, since, pretty much since I was diagnosed, every night I make myself a bit of a uh, smoothie of berries, some orange juice, Mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, LSA, if you know what that is. That's linseed. Sunflower. And and almond. almond. Yes. Yeah. yeah, So So, so you're getting those phytonutrients in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, All of that. So berries are meant to be really good um, cancer fighters. Oh, antioxidants. Yeah. The antioxidants. That's Mm. right. So look, I've just, you know, what you said before about, did I just go down the natural route? Look, I think you've got to be wise. I think, okay, I've had the surgery, had the, the medical side of things, but 
then mm. there's the ongoing. I think you've really mm. got to um, keep on top of it, um, make sure, yeah, I'm determined to make sure it doesn't come back again. Mm. So and, just And of course, statistically, someone who's already had cancer mm. is then at higher risk of, mm. of a reoccurrence. So yeah. it's no time to rest on your laurels, yes, is it? No, that's right. Yeah. Um, you've got to be doing everything that you can to make sure you're in the ultimate sort of healthy state yeah, yeah. as much as possible and, yeah, look after yourself. Mm. So when you, um, uh, I guess, you know, life goes on and um, you must confront other people, that's family, friends, you know, um, you know, people from church who are going through, you know, a similar sort of thing. Do you, do you feel differently towards them? Do you feel like you sort of have a bit more of an idea of what to say to them or how to, how to help them? Mm, look, I do. I had another uh, young, she was a young mum actually from, from church and she was going through it, oh, maybe couple of years ago now Mm -hmm. so yeah certainly you have that empathy with what they're they're experiencing Mm. provide any guidance or support one thing that was really really nice and helpful for myself was that my children's school like when I was having radiotherapy and and whatnot they have a um a little program called meals with love and so they send home a few meals you know just to provide that support, mm. show that they care. So that was one less um, thing that you, yeah, you didn't have yeah, to do. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. it really helped me and, and knew that, you know, people cared. And mm. so, yeah, I would think that that's the sort of thing if you are, if you do have a family member or friend who is um, going sort of through these things, sadly, just um, be there, be a, a listening ear, but also sit, think of some practical opportunities mm, like, mm. you know, cooking, maybe caring for their kids while they go mm. to the appointments. Um, you know, there's a range of things that you can do just to yeah, provide yeah. that support. Wow. And in terms of spiritually, do you feel like closer to God after this? Or, I mean, there must be questions. I mean, some people have a, what do they call it, survivor's guilt, you know, like how mm. come other people, you know, die and I I got cured? Mm. Like mm. how do you make sense of all that and and how, how are you get along, getting on with uh, God these days? Yeah, look, I think I try not to, well, I think, I think I try not to think about, you know, those, that sort of question is why, you know, the why, is why the, the what yeah, it's yeah. hard, it's hard in this world to know why I just think that, yeah, it wasn't my time that mm-hmm. God had a bigger plan for me. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel that my current role is that bigger plan. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly asking for his, um, God's advice, his, his help. I just say, look, you know, you, you show me what you want me to do in this role. Mm-hmm. I want to honor you. I want to spread awareness of you. Mm. So that's, that's my, so I guess it has in that way. I've, I've got that constant mm-hmm. conversation going yeah I'm, I'm remembering that old um that old sort of uh preachers saying that says uh, if god is uh, going to take you to it he'll take you through it mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that seems to have been your experience you know he he allowed that to happen to you but it, he didn't abandon you through it and um mm, it's, it's not at all yeah re- really good to hear hey thanks so much tracy for yeah being so open and, and sharing a story. It is a personal story. It's a story of, of pain, but um, it is a story of, um, of hope and, mm. and recovery. So, yeah, I know our readers will really enjoy, uh, you know, reading the, the magazine, uh, reading your article there. And um, I know everyone will, will have loved um, hearing your story. So thanks so much for, for your time today. Oh, no problem. Thanks, Ken. 
Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.